0: Amen. Praise the Lord. Is the volume good enough? All right. Um, well, last week we finished the study of Exodus, at least for this semester. Uh, we started back up again this fall, and we'll probably will conclude it by the end of this year. But with three weeks remaining, uh, we're going to begin talking about something else, something that is very special and very particular in the Lord's heart. And that is the matter of preaching the gospel. So uh, tonight, we're just going to talk about preaching the gospel. And you may ask, why are we talking about this right now? Uh, What is so important about preaching the gospel, Uh, and why should we preach the gospel, you see? Um, My answer would be, because it is our reasonable service. Duty demands it, right? Uh, So we should give ourselves for this. In fact, we should present our bodies for this. Uh, to begin this message, how about we start with Romans 12, 1 on the top of the outline? How about we read this together? Ready? Go. I really like this word, reasonable service. That means that there is a reason behind it. Actually, in Greek, it means the highest reason. So, you know, I can give you a lot of reasons tonight, but I'm just going to stick with one reason. And this is the highest reason. The reason uh, for us to preach the gospel is so that the Lord may return. Okay? If no one would preach the gospel, no one would be saved. Then there is nothing the Lord can build up the church with. If the church is not built up, the bride is not prepared, and the bridegroom cannot return. You see? So we need to preach the gospel so many will be saved. The church can be built up. The bride can be prepared so the Lord can return. Um, But I really like this verse, and I really like what Paul did here. Uh, He did not simply logically reason with the Roman believers uh, with doctrine. Actually, he compelled them, appealed to them egg them. With what? The compassions of God. Um, When you talk about the compassions of God, actually, you're touching God's love. You see? Um, Paul, he knows that the motivating factor for giving us ourselves to the Lord is really the love of God. You know, 2 Corinthians 5.14, he says that the love of God constrains me. The love of Christ constrains me. For I have judged this. That one die for all, therefore all die, right? But we who live, we live to him who has died for us, right? To him who has been raised. So Paul, due to the constraint of Christ, the love of Christ that is within him, he was constrained to give himself to this very service. What about Peter? How did Peter enter into the service? In John 21, we see this again. The Lord asked, Peter, Simon Peter, do you love me? What did Peter say? You know I do, Lord. And then what did the Lord say? Well, he said, feed my sheep. Shepherd my sheep, right? Um, Feed the lambs, right? I was fellowshipping uh, with a brother a few days ago, and he was just sharing with me how he was conflicted within because he felt a sense from the Lord that, He needs to uh, give himself to the Lord and serve him in a higher capacity. And he was really struggling with this, really. He was struggling. But then he shared with me this one matter. The Lord spoke to me. He asked me, do you love me? The love of God and his compassion. uh, That is really much the motivating factor for us to serve him, you see. And I know you guys are here tonight, you know, as lovers of Christ. Why else will we be here? And I'm sure every one of you have experienced the love of God in various degree. So tonight, maybe I'm just taking Paul as a pattern. Just wanna compel you guys, to exhort you guys, to beg you guys, to appeal to you guys. How about the matter of the gospel? How about being open to the Lord? How about giving ourselves to the Lord, presenting our bodies to the Lord for this matter? Maybe, you know what, maybe you can pray something like this, more, the year 2016, right? How about at least one? Give me one. I want to preach the gospel and save one. Isn't that reasonable, right? It's very reasonable for us to save at least one for all that the Lord has done for us. You see what I mean? Um, So I hope that you guys now are invested in this matter of preaching the gospel. So maybe we can begin. How about you guys together read the title of the outline? Okay. So with this week and the next two weeks, we will talk about five different matters that is relating to preaching the gospel: the spirit, the body, prayer, the word, and the last one, the homes. Okay. With the prayer, the word and the homes, that is really the biblical way to preach the gospel in the book of Acts, you see? But with the matter of the spirit and the body, it's really much the means, okay? What do I mean by the means? Um, Well, I'll tell you. The spirit and the body is the means to preach the gospel is that it's the God-given tool, it's the God-given key to unlock the gospel. Right? Every problem we solve we need a correct tool. You're trying to solve a math problem, a complex one, you probably need a calculator. Um, every locked door needs a correct key. So what is the key for the gospel? The spirit. What's the proper tool for the gospel? The body. If we will give ourselves to learn how to use these keys, guess what? You will get someone saved, most likely. You see? So, in order to use these keys, really, we need to see five different matters in relation to these keys. Uh, we need to see it, then we need to understand it, then eventually we need to know it in a way of experiences. So, how about we just dive into this outline and let's, let's, let's see what these five points are about? Okay, let's see what the spirit and the body is about. Okay, let's rewrite one together strongly. The revelation of the spirit and the body. Okay. And within this point, there are 5 subpoints. How about we just read these points one by one? A, go. The Spirit is powerful for the gospel. B, we have the Spirit already. C, the Spirit is for the body. D, the body is one and we are the members. E, we function for the building up of the body. Sounds pretty simple, right? <laughs> Maybe at the end you guys can even remember it. Uh, let's jump back to A. The Spirit is powerful for the gospel. Acts eight. Go. And you shall power the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses unto the of the earth. Okay, I'm going to try to convince you that the Spirit is a very powerful tool for the gospel. It's definitely the right tool for the gospel and the correct key. Uh, why is the Spirit so powerful? The first answer may very well be duh, because the Spirit is God. John 4 24, God is Spirit. God is powerful, hence, the Spirit is powerful. Well, you, you know, you have that answer already. Pretty good, but not complete. All right? The last few weeks, as we were talk, uh, touching the matter of anointing and the Spirit, we realized it's more than that. It's, the Spirit is also the Spirit of what? Jesus Christ. And this man had went to death, resurrection, and ascension. And all these are very powerful and very explosive items. And these things, these items are really much in the spirit. Okay, so what's so powerful about them? What's so unique about them? Well, let me tell you real quick. His death is an all-terminating death, all right? What does that mean? It means that every single obstacle in this universe that separates man and God has been completely removed. That is in the spirit, okay? His resurrection, life imparting resurrection. Not only will this life raise man up from the dead, but it transformed them into a child of God. I don't think a nuclear bomb can do that, right? Then there's all the, uh, there is also the matter of what? His all transcending ascension. The Lord Jesus was not only uh, merely raised, but he was ascended to the throne above everything else. That includes above Satan and all his power. And on the throne, he has given the authority uh, to rule over everything. And everything has been subjected to his feet. Isn't that powerful? Think about that. Very powerful. Very powerful. Let me give you an experience of the spirit. You know, a few years back, I was in California. I was in this city called Fullerton. I was on this campus named Fullerton College. And I was there preaching the gospel. And I was just walking around. Eventually, I was in close to the theater department. And there was this young man sitting right there. So I strike, you know, I chat with him. I begin to talk to him. Eventually, I sat down with him. And then I brought up the matter of Jesus. And guess what? He was really resistant. Uh, He began to tell me, you know what? I'm a good person. Life is good. I don't do bad things. I don't need God. And I was like, man, what what am I going to say to that? Do you know what to say to that? Because I don't. I didn't. And then if that's not, you know, if, if that's not all, guess what happened? His friend came in, and he, and he sang the same tune. So both of these guys were telling me about how they don't need Jesus. Uh, life is good. They do good things. They don't do bad stuff. So why do they need God? I'm outnumbered, obviously. I'm, I felt like I was outgunned, you know? But within me, I just had the sense, just stand up and open your mouth. So I stood up and I opened my mouth. I don't quite remember specifically what I said. <laughs> I know that it came from Romans 7. And by the time I was done, of course I spoke it with a really strong uh, exercise of my faith and my spirit. And I spoke it in a bold way. I just declared the truth and the fact. And by the time I was done, you should look, you, should, you know, their face was just like, you know, the jaws just kind of drop open a little bit. And one of them said, like, wow, man, that's deep. So that's the spirit. That is the power of the spirit. You see what I mean? It subdued their philosophy. And I believe at that moment when the words were being released, the spirit is there. You know what? There were some obstacles that were removed, and they touched something of life. Uh, The more we experience the Spirit, the more we will have a realization of this. There is no better tool than the Spirit. Nothing compares to the Spirit, okay? Um, You know, sometimes I have this sense that, like, you know, when I preach the gospel, I need to kind of cater to that person's taste. But actually, that's not true. We don't need anything but the Spirit. Actually, they don't need anything but the Spirit. They might not know it, but that is the fact, Right. So we don't need anything else. We don't need to cater to them. We don't need anything. We don't need any gimmicks. You see what I mean? So hopefully this compels. I mean, this convinces you that the spirit is very powerful. And you may ask, okay, so how do I get the spirit? Uh, Do I have to pray? Do I have to fast? What do I have to do? Well, let's move on to the next point. Let's read the next point together. Go. Okay. Okay. Say it again. Isn't that amazing? You have the Spirit already. Isn't that great? We have the Spirit already. We don't have to wait. It's there for us. Ready. Anytime. place. How do we know this? Let's read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 8 together. Go. For also in one Spirit, we are all baptized into one body. Okay. This is what the Bible said. In one Spirit, we are all baptized into one body. All right? And pay attention that this is in the past tense. It's been done. It's been accomplished. It's a fact. We have it already because we've been baptized into the body in one spirit already. When did this happen? Well, according to the book of Acts, 2,000 years ago, our Lord Jesus, the resurrected and ascended Christ, has baptized both the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers into the church into this one body, in one spirit. Uh, When the Jewish believers were baptized in the day of Pentecost, it represents all the Jewish believers in the next 2,000 years. In the house of Cornelius, when the Gentile believers were baptized into a church, that represents all the Gentile believers from the book of Acts all the way to the book of Revelation, right? Just as we receive the Lord's redemption, well, just as the Lord's redemption has been accomplished on the cross and in His resurrection, we have been regenerated, we have been baptized through these two baptisms, these two steps. That is why, you know what? When you get someone saved, it's not like there is another outpouring of the Spirit. You see what I mean? Because it's been done already. It's been accomplished already. We have it already, right? So it is there ready for us to use anytime, place. Why is this so important? Well, when you're waiting in line at H-E-B and there's a person behind you and the Lord's like nudging you, why don't you just say something there? You know what? The Spirit is ready. When you're sitting in the bus, you know, going home, and suddenly there's this person, and maybe he's reading the Bible, and suddenly there's a feeling, maybe I should talk to him and fellowship with him. You know what? The Spirit is ready. Uh, Sometimes you may, you know, end up like this because I experience this a lot. Um, you know what? I didn't have a good morning revival. Maybe I haven't been reading the Bible for a while, right? You feel really dry and you feel like I'm not qualified. But then suddenly you're in, the Lord put you in this situation and said, Well, you know, uh, Jet, speak something. And you may feel, ah, I, I, you know, I didn't, even have a, I didn't even read the Bible this morning. I can't even remember the last time I called upon your name, right? But the Lord says, Speak. You know what? We should just be full of faith and speak. Why? Because the spirit is there and it's ready. All right. Uh, so okay, the spirit is powerful, and we have it already. So we should go preach the gospel, right? And we should go and preach the gospel. guess what happens when we preach the gospel? Someone will get saved. Someone will receive the Lord. You know what happens to that person when he receives the Lord? He becomes a living member of the body of Christ. All right. Whenever you use the spirit, the body is produced. Okay. Which brings us to the next point. Okay. Let's read C together. The spirit is for the body. All right. The spirit is for the body. Okay. Ephesians 4, 4a. Go. One body and one spirit. Actually the body and the spirit they're very much closely related together. As if you can't separate the two. Uh, Actually the spirit is the life of the body. You know what human life and our human being with our physical body we have a living body. And what that means is that within our body uh, there's life in there. It's mysterious because you can't see it but you know it's living because it's The body is animated, right? The life is being expressed through this body. But what happens when you separate this life and the body? The body becomes a corpse, you see? You can see this illustration shows us how closely related uh, the the life and the body is. Similarly, the body of Christ is the same way. The spirit is very much the life of the body. So no spirit, no body. Yes, spirit. Yes, yes body. More spirit, more body. Okay? So this person, you preach the gospel to him, you know, he gets saved. He becomes a living member of the body of Christ. That is why we need to use the spirit. Because if we use anything else besides the spirit, it doesn't produce the body of Christ. Uh, so we should always go out with the exercise of the spirit, to release the spirit, to impart the spirit into the people we preach the gospel to, all right? And not only, um, not only would that person be saved and become a living member of the body of Christ, guess what happens? Because the spirit and the body is so close, so much so closely related together, they become a member of the body of Christ, they become the part of the body of Christ, And because the spirit is the tool of the gospel, by extension, the body and that member of the body becomes a tool for the gospel also. You see, Uh, we are just simply the body of Christ. We, as the body of Christ, we're just an extension of the spirit. Okay, so which this leads us to the next point. How about we read D together? Right. And the verse, 1 Corinthians twelve twenty seven. go. Now you are a body of Christ and members individually. Right. Um, you know, we need to learn how to incorporate the body of Christ and coordinate with the members of the body of Christ in a work for the gospel. Actually, our labor in the gospel, our preaching of the gospel, is not the preaching and labor of an individual. Actually, it's the work and the labor of the body. We're there representing the body of Christ. But if we incorporate and coordinate with the members of the body of Christ, you would definitely sense the impact there, the support there, the body is there just to back it up. You know what I mean? Um, you know, I receive a call this Monday night, and then that's when I find out how to you know, speak this message. But when I was there, I was with another brother. And I told him, hey, you know what? I have to speak the message on Thursday night, and he said, you only have three days to prepare. And I was like, he's right, only had three days to prepare. And I I started panicking, you know? It's, that's not a lot of time for me. But that brother took care of me. He shepherded me, uh, he calmed me down, he prayed with me, and he even got, get, uh, he even got into the materials with me together. Uh, and the next two days, he told me that he's been praying for me. So when I was getting into the material, I felt supply, I felt supported. I felt strengthened. So even here right now, as I am speaking to you, I'm not speaking to you as an individual person. I really sense that this is the speaking of the body of Christ, you see. Um, I hope that you will all enter into these small experiences of the body of Christ. And one way you can easily experience this is by going out on the gospel with a brother, with a sister, with a companion. Uh, go, go. And before you go, pray. Seek the Lord together. Pray together. Open to the Lord together. Allow the Lord to come in. Build you guys up together. Blend you guys together. Until you guys are just so one in the Lord. So one in the divine life. And then when you go, you know, just go and just preach the gospel. And play ball with one another. And when one is sharing, support them by praying inwardly. Right? Strengthen them. Because they're doing a battle right there. They're trying to. We're trying to snatch someone out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God, right? It's not easy. So we need to be there and pray for one another, support one another, strengthen one another. And you know, sometimes when they're speaking, you might think, "Oh, you know what? Uh, he should have said this." Not really. It's just, just, we just have to simply, you know, what? stand with our brother, let him speak, let him release his portion, right? Or maybe he quoted the wrong verse, reference. You know what, we're not here for right and wrong. We're we're here for the oneness. We're here to keep the one accord. And when the one accord is maintained, the impact will be there. When the one accord is maintained, the spirit will be there, okay? Um, Okay, uh, so as we experience these kind of small experiences, praying with one another, being built up by the Lord together, being blended together, functioning together, laboring together, you begin to, you know what, have a new sense of appreciation. What are you appreciating? You're appreciating the function of those other members you're serving with. You will begin to notice, you know what, the way Meryl shared that word, you know what, I can never share that, and that was very good. You know, the way Austin took care of this brother, I can never do that, and it's amazing. The way this brother faithfully take take these new contacts to a home meeting every week, that's dedication I don't have. But in all these different functions, we see one thing, the body being built up through the various functions of the body of Christ. You see? Which brings us to the next point. How about we read E together? Go. Okay, Ephesians 4:16. Together. Amen. All the body. All the body means every member. That means everyone in this room. We have a specific function, and when we just basically function in that function, uh, according to our limitation and measure, guess what? The body of Christ gets built up, right? And I'll be honest with you, I really appreciate you college students. Um, You know, every time I get into an appointment, you college students are always so open, you know? You know, I know that in the next few, you know, after you guys graduate, it's going to get harder, you know? You will get a job, eventually you will get married, you will have children, then, you you know, purchasing cars will come in, buying a house will come in, and it's not easy. You see what I mean? but at this stage in life, your college students are so open and so willing to receive the Lord and receive the ministry, receive the truth, and it's not a small thing. Uh, To be honest, this four years of your life is a very special time in your life because you're so free, uh, you're so released, and you're so open to the truth. Uh, You don't see that in any other stage in a person's life. Uh, That's why you guys are so precious, because also, um, this is not only true for you guys, but it's also true for all the college students. And I wish all the college students would be as open as you are, as receptive to you are. Um, But as much as I want to speak these truths to them, I'm not the best candidate anymore. They see me as this 30-year-old man that dressed not like a college student. You get my drift? But you guys, you know, they are so receptive to you. They're so open to you. You know, when I was a college student, I shared with my fellow students, they actually listened and considered. But now, you know, when I go on the gospel, they're not that receptive anymore. So you guys really have a special portion in your college career to share something with your fellow students where in their stage of life, in their, their stage of life, they also are most open. Afterward, they're not so open anymore. So we really need to take it seize take and seize this opportunity to share something of the word to them. And if you share something to them, guess what? And they get saved, you would change their destiny forever. And they have the time to give themselves to the Lord for all the years to come. If we save someone later on in life, they may be restricted by their car, house, wife, and children. Even if they want to give, they're so limited. But for you guys, you're so free. You still have your choice what your future would look like. And Jesus can have a role in that. You see what I mean? Uh, so I really hope that you guys would save at least one this year. How about just one student? One classmate? One roommate? So with, with this, we have finished all five points in relation to the revelation of the spirit and the body. Uh, so now we will just quickly touch the matter of how to experience these things. Uh, two, the experience of the spirit a go See, God, all right second Corinthians 413 amen I believe therefore I also speak amen. what do I believe in I believe that the spirit is powerful for the gospel what do I believe in? I believe the spirit I have already. I believe the spirit produces the body of Christ. I believe that as a member of, bo- member of the body of Christ, I can function. And I also believe that when I function, when I open my mouth, the body of Christ gets built up. That's why I speak. I think this is why you should speak. Do you believe? I need something stronger than this. Yes, amen. So the best way to really speak is to exercise your spirit, to exercise your faith. I really like this phrase here, the spirit of faith, that shows us that our faith and our spirit are closely related together. You know, sometimes in my low time and in my dry time, I'll be honest with you, sometimes I just don't have that much faith. And the Lord is so sweet, He always will put me in a situation that I have to speak during my low time and my dry time. But, and then of course I cooperate, but the, the, the wonderful thing is this, the more I begin to speak, the more the spirit within me amends it. And the more I get the amen from my spirit, the more I believe into it. So we simply, we simply just need to follow the Lord and speak. And sometimes if you feel like you don't believe, actually just exercise your spirit and you will spontaneously believe. But in the long run, in order to maintain a speaking spirit, we really need to keep and maintain a good conscience.